Your job as a user researcher is to understand what are those goals, what are those needs, what are those motives, and what does your experience that you're building for tie into meeting those needs? Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to Nodes of Design and wish you all a happy Merry Christmas. To help support our mission spread knowledge, we have a very special guest on today's episode. Let's welcome Paige Bennett. She is a user research design leader currently working with a firm as senior user research manager and previously she worked with Dropbox, Medium and White Watchers. In this episode, Paige had shared wonderful insights on UX research and how UX research contributes to better success of product and company. We also discussed on what is the process or framework that one must follow for user experience research and broke it down in different ways so that it's easy for a researcher to empathize with its users also we spoke on how does ux research happens at a large scale organization considering millions of user needs and how to sort them to solve and find the real user problems in the end page had shared her insights on what she looks in a hiring portfolio of an ux researcher as a hiring manager hope you guys enjoyed this episode and on every friday we release new episodes with different creative leaders from around the world to help you better understand different concepts related to design So don't forget to tune in into Notes of Design every Friday. With that being said, happy designing everyone. Hi Paige, welcome to Notes of Design. It's a pleasure hosting you today on our show. Thanks for having me. So Paige, how's your day going? It's going actually pretty well. I'm here in San Francisco and right now we have pretty good air quality for the moment. So we're really enjoying that break. Thank you, Paige. So if you could give a brief about yourself to our audience out there. So I currently manage the growth research team at Dropbox. Uh, prior to Dropbox, I, what, I led research at Medium. And before that, I was at Weight Watchers where I helped to build out the first research team. That's wonderful, Paige. So what was your journey into design and how did you start? What are your tips for the beginners on how to start? My journey to research was a very windy road and I find that a lot of other design researchers that I uh, I work with and that I've met over the years have a similar path where it's not the straight line to design research. I actually started my career as a news reporter. My degree is in broadcast journalism and I was a news reporter and producer for an ABC affiliate here in the states. And what I discovered is that I had this opportunity to do field research in the Middle East and I discovered that field research combined what I loved most about journalism. I was uh, having to understand how to listen actively and and learn about people and learn what the story was and then be able to communicate that story in the most effective way to the people that needed that information. And it really combined what I loved most about being a journalist. And so after I was a field researcher, I moved back to the states and I was hired by the first tech company I worked for, which was Dell. And that's when I discovered user research. And the first time I realized what it was, it was like this revelation of like I can't believe that this is a job, a real job because to me it combined all these different things I loved most. And it was really fascinating. And so over the years, I moved from Austin, Texas to San Francisco and the 
throughout the years, I did some consulting. I worked at some small startups where I wore um, a hat, the hat of both a, a designer and a user researcher. And then I moved into um, companies that were a little bit bigger. Weight Watchers was um, the, the first company I worked for after working for a really small startup. And although Weight Watchers is a pretty established company and it's now called WW, uh, they had not had user research specifically. They had had uh, market research, consumer insights. And so I came on board there to help build out the research team. And I learned tons there and just really enjoyed the team I worked with. I then worked for Medium, which was a product that I loved personally, especially as a journalist. I had written on Medium. I had read avidly on Medium. And so it was really fun to get to work on that product. And then that brought me to Dropbox. And what I found throughout the years and with each role that I've had, it's that there's this common thread where I'm able to use these foundational skill sets of communication and uh, and and storytelling uh, in each of these in each of these roles. And so I, even though I look back and think, oh my goodness, I wish that we had had, I wish that I had known about HCI in college to study it. Actually, when I look at my career journey, I think that it, it is my background in journalism that brings this unique uh, skill set and viewpoint to my work as a researcher. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that was my background and I'm glad it wasn't necessarily a straight line to use a research, but it's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Paige. What are your tips for the beginners? Yeah, so I think one thing that I would tell people is to think about what you've learned in past roles, whether that's school or like your first job, your first two jobs, and how those skills can be applied to user research. So I think you can find those like foundational skill sets. I mentioned communication and storytelling, understanding the right questions to ask and how to ask them, and and uh, understand how those can be applied to, to user research jobs that you're looking for. I would say the other thing I recommend is read. There are so many books out there on user research, especially now. There are tons of blog posts on Medium about user research. And so there's a lot of free literature out there that you can take advantage of. There are a lot of books that you can purchase. There are a lot of free courses and free slides um, and and um, meetups and talks with other researchers. So there's uh, over the years, I've just seen the, the resources grow and grow in regards to the free, uh, the free resources that are out there for people. Consume all that you can with that. And then I would say when you're ready to, to get hands-on and to really do the work, um, look at smaller companies, look at startups as, as a place for you to begin your journey. Very often, especially very, very small startup, uh, you would have opportunities to do maybe freelance work or consultancy work because um, they aren't necessarily going to be able to bring on a user researcher full-time. And so that's a way for you to build up your portfolio and work with maybe a couple of startups uh, and really understand what it's like to to do user research as part of the product development process. Thank you, Paige, for those wonderful tips. So let's begin our episode with UX research. So what exactly is UX research and how UX research contributes to the better success of products on the company? Yeah, so I look at the definition that Nelson Norman uses for user experience, where they talk about user experience as encompassing all aspects of a, a user's interaction with the company, its services and its product. User research is about diving into your customers' behaviors and actions and identifying what those underlying drivers are that prompts those actions. And that's in order for you to understand what experience they need and what experience helps meet their needs. I really like how Thomas Mann, who's this Nobel Prize winning laureate, puts it. He says, people's behavior makes sense if you think about it in terms of their goals, needs, and motives. At the end of the day, 
your job as a year as a researcher is to understand what are those goals, what are those needs, what are those motives, and what does your experience that you're building for tie into meeting those needs? I think the the great thing about user research is that you are looking at someone's experience holistically and better understanding how what you're building does or doesn't meet those needs. And user research can allow you to course correct if you're finding that the product is is not meeting their needs in some capacity. I think that's the, the great thing about user research is that it does illuminate those areas for, for people building products. At the end of the day, it can also save time. If you start with research and you understand, you know, what are those motives of the people that you're building the product for? What are those needs? What are their goals? Then you are guarding against building the wrong thing, something that ultimately they're not going to use or they're not going to be satisfied with. Uh, and so I think that's that's where the real value of user research comes from. Thank you, Pete. So what is the process of framework you follow user experience research? If you could help us break it down. And also, what are your ways of empathizing with the users? So I view research as playing a part throughout the product development process. So you might have heard of the double diamond, which is this the four-phase design process. You have your discover, define, develop, and deliver phases. I believe that research sits at each of those phases. So research can begin by helping identify what areas there are to discover. So it 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 can start at the very beginning where you and your team are trying to figure out like what what's even the problem that we need to solve. And then it can go through unto delivery. So once you've shipped your product, how is it performing? What are you learning from that performance? Uh, what And how are you iterating on those learnings? And, and I would also say that you know, your customers, the people that use your product, they, they, they change, they evolve over time. But your customer three years ago isn't necessarily going to be in the same place in their life as they are three years later. And so how are you learning from their evolution and what they are going through? And how are you taking those learnings and iterating on your products? So in that way, research I view as circular. It's it's constantly looping from delivery back to discover. Research also often beget more research. So I find out something in uh, in one of the questions that I've been trying to answer. And very often that's something that I find requires me to dig deeper into something else. And so it is never quite finished either. It is this loop that that I talked about. In regards to empathy, I believe there are a couple of things that can help us when you are trying to have empathy with the people that are using your product. One role that I follow is that I'm not my user. And I think about this in regards to Medium. So uh, the company I worked for before Dropbox, I used Medium uh, quite a bit. Uh, before I worked there. I was a writer on Medium. I read avidly on Medium. And then I started working for the company. It would have been easy for me to say, I'm Medium's user. And therefore, I understand what they need. And I understand what their motives are and what's driving them. But the thing is, the minute I started working at Medium, I became atypical. And I... I had to remove myself from being their user. And so one thing I, I I remind myself of and I remind the teams that I've worked for of is we are not our user. And the first step is acknowledging that. And, and by doing that, you can also start to get rid of the assumptions that you've made uh, where you're putting yourself in your users, your user's place. Um, that is not empathy. I think we can't confuse empathy with with thinking that we are that person. 
the other thing that can help with empathy is active listening. So really listening to what are they, what are they telling you? What are they saying? Trying to understand what they're thinking and trying to understand what they're feeling and then going and doing. And also understanding the difference between empathy and sympathy so that you are recognizing, are you empathizing with people who use your product or are you sympathizing with them? Because you you want to be able to disconnect the two and you're not necessarily wanting to sympathize. Um, but I think that through through those things, through understanding that you're not your user, through under, acknowledging that, getting rid of assumptions, really actively listening, uh, those are those are ways to build it. And then I think the other important component of that is is having a feedback loop where you are consistently hearing from your your users, here you're hearing from the people that use your products, building in that mechanism will help your team as well when they are consistently hearing from the mouths of the people that use your product and not yourselves. It can be a very humbling experience, which can also help with that empathy building. Thank you, Paige. So basically, how does UX research happen at these large-scale organizations considering millions of user needs and all? How do you do it? Well, the way that the team that I'm currently on and companies I've worked for in the past who are much larger is we have an embedded model. So we have this research that sits uh, across each part of the business. And the researchers in those businesses are able to really dive deep into uh, into the different parts of the product. The reason why it's really, uh, really helpful is because as teams scale and as companies get bigger, you're able to go deep deeper as a researcher into the different features in any at any given time in any different part of the product and really become a, a subject matter expert about that. And so so that's a, a real benefit to, to that model. And um, I think at Dropbox, you know, we've grown, um, we're at, uh, you know, a, a, almost 30 researchers currently. And we now have a research operations team who is like our foundation. They are, they are such a support to us. They help to, uh, they help us with recruiting. They help us with the different tools that we use uh, and different they help us be able to scale our, our research projects. So, so it's important that we're embedded. But the other thing that also helps us scale is democratizing research. And um, one of my uh, colleagues, uh, Christopher Nash, actually wrote a really great article on this that was just published to our Dropbox design blog talking about scaling research at Dropbox. And uh, the reason why scaling uh, research through democratization is so important is because research is going to happen with or without us. You know, our part, our cross-functional partners are going to be doing research with or without us. And so what we want to do is we want to guide them to do the best research. And so we have um, a couple of tools that we use that everyone has access to. And we give them guidelines and we allow them to do uh, their own research when it is something that uh, facilitated like unmoderated remote research or low-risk moderated uh, research. Uh, And we give them the support that they need to make sure that they're setting those up in the best way possible. But it also allows us to focus on the more strategic project, the more in-depth foundational work that we need to do. And, and so that's uh, that, that's been really helpful because it allows us to focus on uh, those projects that, that really require a, a depth of knowledge of, of how to how to run a research practice and get and allows our stakeholders to continue getting feedback. Also I think it, it, it allows us to not be blockers. So we're not going to block product development. It allows research to be leveraged by more teams um, and the research grows. 
And so, uh, so, so that's one way that we found uh, we've been able to scale research at a company uh, like like ours, uh, and I've done that at at other companies as well. Uh, I think that there are guidelines that you need to put in place anytime you're democratizing research. And like I said, we have guidelines. We have a consultant, Christopher Nash, actually um, consults with uh, with stakeholders across the company who are wanting to run their own research. We have uh, we have resources in place, so they're not just going out on their own with nothing. But it's been a real help in allowing us to do more research. And so uh, so it's been really exciting to see. Thank you, Pete. So what do you see in a UX researcher's portfolio as a hiring manager? Because a lot of work will be under NDA and a lot of the researchers usually won't, you know, have a great portfolio to present it out to the people. So what are your tips and suggestions on that? Yeah, I, I mentioned storytelling uh, when I was talking about my journey. And ultimately, what I'm looking for when I'm hiring a role is a researcher's ability to tell me the story of their work. Communication is so vital. It is so important to this role. And so I'm looking for them to be able to tell me that narrative, have a narrative and be able to tell me that narrative. There are a few key pieces that I'm looking for in their, in their portfolio. So usually uh, I dive into one particular project that they've done. Because I usually am, you know, I'm looking at their portfolio very quickly. And then if they're coming in for an interview with me, they maybe have, you know, an hour to talk about their project. So I like for them to focus on one particular project. And what I'm looking for is for them to explain to me, you know, how did this project come about? So in other words, were you the one who identified the problem area or was the problem? problem area identified and did a stakeholder come to you with those questions? I'm looking for them to be able to convey like what role did they play and leading if they led research, what does that mean? And then I'm looking for them to tell me uh, the methodology and their thinking behind it. So I'm looking for, you know, depending on the role, you know, I'm, I'm looking for researchers to have experience in different methodologies. But more than that, I'm trying to understand what their thinking is behind the methodologies they've used. So every, every Every methodology comes with trade-offs. And so when they're talking about a particular project, I want to see that they put thoughtfulness into them. And they've really thought about, you know, this methodology, if I had more time, I might have used this methodology. But because I had, you know, two weeks, this methodology was the best uh, one for this particular situation. And then as they walk me through the actual project, I'm looking for them to show me that they have collaborated with stakeholders and brought them into their process. So at Dropbox, we work with so many different stakeholders across the company. Collaboration is really important. And that word collaboration gets thrown out a lot. People say it all the time. What I mean by that is that they have communicated with their stakeholders from the beginning of their project. They are looking for activities that their stakeholders can participate in. So they're observing interviews or they're participating in a workshop. And then they're making sure that they're socialized their findings in ways that their stakeholders really understand those findings. And then finally, I'm looking for results. I, I want to see that their recommendations have made an impact. So I, I think it's great when we have wonderful insights, but if our insights are not, uh, if our insights are not understood, and if we're not explaining the recommendations from those insights and those recommendations are not being applied, then our work is not finished. And so I want 
to understand, I want to, them to be able to explain to me, you know, what impact has your work had? What, what recommendations did you make and what happened with those recommendations? Did they just fall flat? Did they go into a product uh, timeline somewhere? Were they implemented? Uh, and, and then be able to explain that. And then finally, in every portfolio, I'm looking for reflection. If they could have changed something, what would they have changed? Because I think we all, we all look at our work and know that we could have changed something. And there's something about being able to reflect and say, hey, if I had more time, if I had more budget, if this particular stakeholder wasn't so difficult to work with, this is what I would have changed. That's really important for us to reflect after the end of every project. And so that's what I'm looking for. I think in terms of experience, again, like my own experience, a lot of researchers' paths to research were quite windy and they didn't take this straight path. And so I love to see people who come from a variety of different roles in the past that have given them this rich set of skills that they can apply to research. Um you know, there are there are skills that can be taught. You can learn about methodologies. You can learn how to uh, how to uh, become an expert at a particular methodology. But there are some foundational skills that are are just part of uh, like who you are. And I think that those are really what I'm looking for. And again, I, I go back to two of the most important things for me is the ability to communicate and tell your story, tell your narrative of your work. Um, those are the key, just key pieces that I'm looking for. Those are really wonderful, Paige. So can you please share with us how does your typical day look like as a UX researcher and any interesting stories? Yeah, so every day is very different. It depends on the project that I'm working on. I think as a manager, a lot of my day is spent, uh, I, so I, I have a great team that I love to love to work with. And a lot of my day as a manager is spent understanding um, how I can help their work. Uh, so, you know, where is their projects that they're working on? Like, what's the status of their work? And, and can I help in any way? Can I unblock something for them? Um, I'm trying to make sure that they're getting in the right meetings, that if they're finished with their work and they're in the middle of socializing it, that they're presenting to the right set of people. Um, as a UX researcher, as an individual contributor, depending on the project that I'm working on, um, it, it can look like anything from being in the middle of, you know, three interviews today, diving deep and doing debriefs after each one to being really heads down and synthesizing my work. Um, so every day is different. It um, it, it is amazing how it just it changes each day. You you never know really what, what's going to happen when you're interviewing people. You have your interview guide, your discussion guide, but people are people and they surprise you. And so if I'm in the middle of a project, I, I could be very surprised. And, and what I discover tomorrow could be something quite unexpected, which is fun. Um, I have a lot of good stories because I think uh, anytime you've done research for long enough, you come away with some pretty good stories. Um, I think one of one of my favorite examples is um, I love Phil's research. So where you're going into whatever is the person's field. Um, so, you know, for Dropbox, that might be an office. But before when I worked at Weight Watchers, that was, you know, people's homes when they used Weight Watchers. Um, one of my favorite stories is that uh, when I was at Weight Watchers, we were doing a project where we were trying to understand more about who our users were. And so we were visiting their homes around the state and we went to one home that lived in a very rural area outside of Memphis, Tennessee. And what we found is that in their home, um, they had pretty uh, um, unreliable internet. It would go down quite often. And so what we found is that 
uh, they would have to wait to use our Weight Watchers app uh, when they got to their office the next morning. And so they would get to their office the next morning where they had reliable internet, and then they would log all of their food. And what we found is that because they had unreliable internet at their home, when they were cooking or when they were deciding what they were going to eat later, and they wanted to pull up uh, um, different food items and see how many points they were, um, they couldn't do it. They had to wait until the next morning. And they had to think about, you know, think that far ahead about, you know, what am I going to cook tonight? Okay, let me make sure I know what all the points are for that food. And then I'll take that information back home to me. That was such a great insight that we would not necessarily have gotten through just a survey or even just interviewing that person over the phone. It was being in that that environment and understanding where they were and how the context of their environment impacted them. And I, I tell my team this, that whatever you're building is never used in a tunnel. Like people use your product in the midst of all of these other different products. They're using your product when they're at home or in their office or on the subway. And there are a million different things happening around them. And those things impact how they use your product. And so it's really important that we understand that context. And that's something that you get when you do field research. And so I love that story from Weight Watchers, one of my favorites. And just in general, I love the the rich insights that you can get from, from going out of your office and into the field. Um, right now, we're not really able to do that with COVID. And so I'm really looking forward to the day where we can get back to the field and be able to do that. Um, but but yeah, I, I really love that. Thank you so much, Paige. So we'll conclude this show by you recommending us three favorite books of yours and also people who inspire you the most in the space. Yeah. So I have three books that I love that are both work-related and personal-related. Uh, my, my first book is great for work. It's called The Field Study Handbook. It's by Jan Chip Chase. It's a beautiful book. It has some beautiful illustrations, but it's also a great book for anybody wanting to do field work, um, even if they're working in you know user research and product and they're planning field work in the future. Great, great book. Uh, the other book I love is called Almost Everything, Notes on Hope. It's by Anne Lamont. And it is also a great book for work, even though it's about having hope. Um, there's this uh, quote that she has at the beginning of her book. It says, I am stockpiling antibiotics for the apocalypse, even if I, even as I await the blossoming of paper whites. And so it's all about having hope in the midst of difficulty, which I think is something we can all relate to right now. Um, and then finally, uh, Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead, is a super great book. As I've moved into leadership roles over the years, I'm very keen and have loved uh, to hear what Brene Brown says um, and how she talks about like leading with empathy, leading with emotion, not, not hiding your emotions, but actually having it make you a better leader. Um, as far as people that I admire, um, Indy Young is a practitioner who is so knowledgeable and has done um, so many great re- workshops. I've, I've, I've had her do workshops uh, with us at Dropbox. She has some great um, workshops on on listening deeply and uh, and something she calls something called thinking styles, which is just really, really fabulous. So I really respect her. Um, I think think she's a great person to learn from. Um, and I would highly recommend checking out her website. And especially if you're on a team that's looking for somebody to come in and, and help train your team, um, she's a great person to consider. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, me personally, people that I, that I, that I respect who've actually had influence on my work is, is my 
my mother, which uh, you cannot hire for your workshop. Sorry, but uh, she <laughs> she's been a, a great inspiration and inspiration for for me, um, and I really learned um, a lot from her. And um, and and I would say I wasn't able to pinpoint one person because just collectively they're amazing. Um, the team I work with currently at Dropbox uh, just are fantastic, and I think. The reason why I wanted to say them as a whole is because they are incredibly smart, very knowledgeable about their work, but they're very thoughtful people. And so um, it's been great to work with them. You know, you can work with a lot of smart people, but if they aren't thoughtful, it's not necessarily great, nice to work with them. And they're so thoughtful and kind. And I just really love uh, working with them every day. Thank you so much, Paige, for your wonderful time. It was a really great pleasure hosting you today on our show. We are looking forward to host you again in our upcoming episodes. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me.